This is the Other Bundesliga podcast. On this episode, we'll be looking back on a mostly winning week for the Austrian teams in the UEFA Champions League, Europa League and Conference League, as well as checking out the challenges that lie ahead. Welcome back to the other Bundesliga. This is our European Match Day 3 podcast. My name's Tom Midler. I'm joined by Lee Wingate and Simon Clark. Uh, it's been a little while since we all got together. How are you guys doing? Um, yeah, very good, actually. Um, it's been a busy week and very much enjoyed my trip down to Salzburg to see a bit of a masterclass performance, which I'm sure we will dissect shortly. But yeah, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, what have you been doing outside of the uh, the football work? I know we've all been absolutely slammed in terms of writing match reports, attending games, commentating on games, doing all kinds of lovely things. But what have you been up to outside of football? It's not been too eventful, to be honest. I, I repotted a plant this weekend. That was exciting. <laughs> and then yesterday I watched Man United get demolished 5-0 by Liverpool with uh, mild trolling from Simon. I feel sorry for one of our friends, somebody that we know made the trip over from the US to watch that game as a Manchester United supporter. It's like a special trip from the US to, to Manchester. I couldn't help but looking at the result and thinking, oh no, poor poor bloke. That's a tough weekend, isn't it? It's a pretty tough weekend, but at least it wasn't Everton losing 5-2 at home to a player, scoring a hat-trick after he didn't score uh, when he played for us for five months. So at least Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's taking the heat off Everton a bit this weekend in the Premier League. <laughs> oh no, you can hear, I can hear it in your voice, Simon. There's, there's utter devastation on this Monday morning. That's really bad. I'm pretty used but, to it know. being, an, I'm pretty used to it being an Everton <laughs> fan, you know, so it's, it's, I mean, I'm just looking at the calendar and I noticed our fixture against Liverpool has been changed to uh, the 1st of December. So, so that'll be a beautiful uh, start of the advent period for us, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> looking forward to that. I mean, in, in fairness, Simon, I saw you more recently than I saw Lee and we were in Bratislava together in a brilliant European capital, dancing away to 90s rock music. I had, I had a wonderful weekend doing that, at least. It was, it was a really uh, a really funny time. Five of us, Tom and I and uh, three of our mates went to Bratislava and we uh, stumbled upon a club that was playing solely hits from, from, from the late 90s and early 2000s. We had like Blink-182, Green Day, Rage Against the Machine. It was just absolutely perfect. Absolutely loved it. This sort of abandoned block of flats club yeah, haven't experienced anything like that for a few years. Very good. Uh, enjoyed that immensely. It might not have been the best weekend for our football teams, but if we look back a little bit to the midweek before, um, this is what we're here to talk about, of course. European football, Austrian teams in European action. And that was a much more positive week, wasn't it? That, uh, that got things going really well. And I'll start with you, Lee, because you went down to Salzburg. It was Wolfsburg coming to town and not our beloved Austrian Wolfsburg, but the German Wolfsburg. Um, for a battle of the two Bundesligas, and it went our way. Yes. Yeah, I believe this is actually the first time that an Austrian team has beaten a German team in a competitive European game, so always good to get one over the neighbours. I had a really good time. Uh, first of all, because I didn't have to stay overnight, this was an earlier kickoff, and I have stayed in some absolute stinkers of hotels in Salzburg uh, over the past few months, so I was quite glad about that. Um <laughs> But beyond that, and onto the actual football itself, I would go as far as to say that in the second half, at least, this was 
the best I've ever seen Salzburg play since we've started covering Austrian football. They were just absolutely brilliant. They came out on top in almost every single statistical metric. So many of their players just hit their absolute peak performance levels. And yeah, they got the win that puts them now, I'd say, within touching distance of of a place in the knockout stages. So it was a very successful trip all round. It was, Lee. I think you must mean first Austrian win against a German uh, opponent in the Champions League, lest we forget Wolfsburg at AC4, Mönchengladbach nil a couple of seasons ago. That was in the the lowly Europa League, though. Salzburg beating Borussia Dortmund as well and uh, RB Leipzig as well. So, yeah, there's been plenty in recent times, but Lee definitely means Champions League. <laughs> yes, yes, I did mean Europe's top table. I got, I'm still a little bit giddy, to be honest, from the whole experience. It was such a, <laughs> such a good time in Salzburg. So, yeah, got a bit carried away, but of course, the, the Champions League. Oh, yeah, but just any excuse for us to relive those great victories in the Europa League as well, to be fair. But, yeah, this was a really good one. Um, let's start, actually, with Wolfsburg. Van Bommel has been sacked. They came in off three defeats in the league. You know, what kind of showing did Wolfsburg put up against Salzburg? Well, I did quite a bit of work in the German Bundesliga as well. My least favourite of the two Bundesligas, of course. <laughs> and uh, Wolfsburg actually started this season with four wins from four. They were top, they were defensively solid and they looked like they were, were going to be, you know, posing quite a good threat to the top teams this season. It seems to have really fallen apart. And I have to say that they were vastly inferior to Salzburg for the last hour. They did get a goal uh, back. They equalised in this game, although that was mostly due to poor defending from Salzburg following a corner. But yeah, I wasn't overly impressed with them. They didn't really have too much structure to their play going forward and they weren't too well organised defensively. And I just thought they looked a bit off the pace, really, a little bit unfit, um, a little bit slow to everything. Maybe that's just because Salzburg have so many young, dynamic, pacey players, but... I just felt they were second best all over the pitch. Difficult times for Dutch coaches right now in the European football clubs. But talking about them being a little off the pace, the first goal, uh, just a through ball forward from Nicholas Seivald, who I've been waxing lyrical about this season. Love what he's doing. Played a really nice through ball in, but it probably shouldn't have reached Karamadi Yemi. The defender looked very passive in terms of uh, sort of turning over his shoulder, getting ready to clear it. And by the time he did that, Karamadi Yemi had already taken it and scored. So it was a very sort of sluggish start from the Wolfsburg defence. Yeah, I was really surprised. Kevin and Babu just was pretty much rooted to the spot. And I think a lot of opponents really underestimate just how fast Karamadi Yemi is. And they, they think they've got enough time and then suddenly that's it. He's gone. Um, and it was a really ni- very nice finish as well from, from Adeyemi. Just took it towards the goalkeeper and then slotted it past him. Um, and yeah, perfect start. And I think that's probably, was that about 12 goals now in all competitions for Adeyemi this season already? So, but yeah, blinding start for Salzburg. I just felt like that was a proper Champions League goal. That looked like a team now who are really comfortable playing in the Champions League. Some, There's something about it for me that was just like, yeah, that's a Champions League level goal. Good through ball, beat the defender, slot it past the goalkeeper. They made it look really easy, basically. And uh, yeah, as you said, the, the dream start. The corner from Wolfsburg, I think it was a good corner for me. N- nice header. The, the delivery in from the corner was absolutely perfect. Keeper couldn't really come for it landed right in the middle between Salzburg's two biggest biggest defenders. But um, it's how they responded to that, that that's really positive, isn't it? Yeah, I think, to be honest, the, the Salzburg defenders should have been goal side of the player at least, um, which they weren't. And of course, yeah, it was a good delivery by Arnold. But I still think Jesler will be disappointed to have conceded that. But yeah, from then on, I just felt Salzburg were in control. 
Uh, there were a couple of forays forward from Wolfsburg in the rest of the first half, but uh, but otherwise it was it was all Salzburg. You know, just looking at the stats, they had more possession, more attempts, more corners, more passes completed, and I would say that it was it was very deserving that they ended up getting the win. But also kind of strange given their style of play that both of those goals came from corner kicks which were in both cases semi-cleared and in both cases finished off by Noah Okafor for his first Champions League goals. So I was glad for to see him finally get on the score sheet. Let's talk about him. How big a moment is that for Noah Okafor? Because he's been sort of touted as the one, probably a lot of people looked at him as, as becoming the main player at Salzburg over the last 18 months or so. And it hasn't really worked out that way. In fact, he's been on the bench uh, fairly uh, often and he hasn't, as you said, hasn't scored, uh, hasn't opened his account in the Champions League until this game. So coming on, getting that, well, playing, getting those two goals to to take Salzburg back in front. And you know, I think he started well as well, hit the bar in that one chance and set up uh, a good shot for Sucic, which was all about the, the pass coming in from Okafor. What a confidence booster, you know, what kind of a confidence booster will that be for him, do you think? Massive on several fronts. Uh, Firstly, because I think he is currently carrying the burden of being the record signing by an Austrian club ever. I think it was around 11 million. Uh, so he's got that to contend with. But also, I think he has been outshone by some of Salzburg's other attackers. And I think, was it, Simon, we went to the Barcelona-friendly preseason where Noah Okafor just missed chance after chance. Was it that game? Yeah, it was that game. It was. Um, I've never seen a player miss more chances, um, more, more more clean cut chances than Okafor in that game. But um, I think he's almost gained the reputation somewhat of missing missing so many big chances. So for him, I think uh, last week was an incredibly important moment for him to score two goals in such a massive game. So yeah, I think Okafor's time at Salzburg so far has definitely been overshadowed by the, these missed chances, rather than the fact he has scored quite a lot of goals for the club. Like, we, we, we can't uh, ignore that. The nature of the goals, though, as you said, Lee, it goes against Salzburg's style of play a little bit. But uh, credit to Okafor and credit to Salzburg as well for continuing this trend that they've got this season of being a little bit, almost it looks like they're more results-focused. They're still playing beautiful football, but they're also getting it done. And these goals illustrate that, you know, corner balls headed onwards or headed into the mixer and, you know, full marks to to Noah Okafor because he was the first one to react in two very similar goals. The ball was like knocked back in towards the six-yard box. I will question the Wolfsburg defending massively, especially for the second goal where it seemed to be about five players who were not marking anybody. And uh, Okafor didn't even have to get himself free in the penalty area. He was just left free in the six-yard box, which is very strange in a Champions League group stage game. But uh, credit to him, you know, right place, right time and scoring effective goals. He finished them quite nicely. Yeah, I think the first goal was especially impressive because he did have to get across the defender and, and just sort of... Yeah, direct that one into into the gap in the goal that he had. As well, shout out to Rasmus Christensen, whose heat map this season, frankly, must be on the corner of the penalty area. This is a guy who is, he's already got four goals in the league, but he is just looking to attack all the time. And he was the one that sort of nudged the ball into Okafor's path for that goal. So it was just, a, it was an all-round team performance. You mentioned earlier, Tom, Nicholas Seivart. He was probably the most impressive player on the on the pitch for me. This is the first time I've really watched him in detail and, and studied him. And I just thought he had everything. Um, looks like he's going to be one of Salzburg's stars to come. And yeah, just all, all throughout the team, I thought they were to a man, they were brilliant. And of course, 
putting themselves four points clear at the top of the group. I did a little bit of numbers digging before the pod. Uh, between 2004 and 2017, 92% of teams with seven points after three games went through. So, yeah, maybe I'm getting a little bit carried away, but could we really see Salzburg in the knockout stages? Yeah, I mean, let's look at the the challenges that are coming up then for Salzburg, who they've still got left, you know, the fixtures that are still there. Now that they've played everyone once, they've they've sort of got a little bit of a measure of, of who their opponents are. As you said there, it's sort of statistically looking very good indeed. Top of the group, unbeaten. Are we going to see Salzburg finally go through? And what are going to be the, the key moments uh, down the, the, the back end of this group stage campaign? I think almost certainly they'll go through. Um, only three, po- uh, three more points, and it's the greatest ever performance by an Austrian side in, in the Champions League group stages. We have to go back all the way to 2000-2001 when Sturm Graz finished first in their group with 10 points. So Salzburg only need three more points there to equal that. Um, but you look at the remaining fixtures that they have an away uh, away tie at Wolfsburg next. Um, their, their one remaining home tie is against the toughest team in the group, Sevilla. But as we've seen over the past couple of seasons, their final home game, they've gone into it with maybe a chance of going through it, but against Liverpool and, and Atletico Madrid. <laughs> Sevilla doesn't bring as, as a massive a test as those two teams do. But I think by then they'll already be qualified. So... Actually, I think uh, despite the fact they have two away games there, the odds are looking good. Right time to play Wolfsburg in a double header, or wrong time given you know there's going to be some kind of new manager or caretaker manager bounce potentially. I just thought that Salzburg was so superior in that game that a new coach is going to have to do a lot very quickly. I mean, not just in that game. I think Salzburg have been the better team in all three games they've played so far. Let's not forget the 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 you know the flood of penalties that they had they should have really beaten Sevilla in that opening game in Spain um, and Leo I thought although it was two penalties that won them the game they were very comfortable I just think they're the best team in this group and uh, of course you might get that new ban- uh, that new manager bounce uh, at Wolfsburg but I I'm pretty confident that they're that they're gonna at least get a point in that game might be Sevilla fearing coming to Salzburg then rather than the other way around a little bit. Yeah, I think so. And if Karim Adeyemi is anywhere near how he was in the first game, there might be a few more penalties awarded in that tie. Yeah, where were the penalties this time? What happened? To disgrace. I don't know, I don't know what Adeyemi's playing at. He scored too early. Didn't, didn't have to make the runs to <laughs> get the challenges in, you know. But um, just quickly going on to the, Bundes, onto the Bundesliga. This weekend, they played their big title rival, uh, Sturm Graz, and, and they won 4-1. It was... Uh, pure utter dominance and I tweeted that this might be the most complete Salzburg team we've ever seen and the fact that they're performing on the continent in the league they've only dropped uh, two points all season which was against Altac of all teams just shows that this team is playing on another level and and in Europe they're showing exactly that kind of form I think if you're severe you're probably worrying about that final game because uh, you can imagine the atmosphere Salzburg might already be through even they won't need to get a result, really. I mean, maybe they want to win the group, of course. That'd be quite an achievement. But yeah, this is the most complete Salzburg we've ever seen. Lee, what was the atmosphere like, actually, in the game against Wolfsburg? I know you were there. You were the one of us down there in the stadium. Um, Because we tested out Salzburg. You know, obviously, we've all been there many, many times. Champions League, Europa League, Bundesliga. But we were down there a few weeks ago as well for a league game. And instead of going in the press area I just went in the in the home end and, and sort of enjoyed it from behind the goal and I was really really impressed actually it was it was a different atmosphere than than I was 
expecting, probably a little bit more um, excitable, a lot louder than I was expecting. And the stats today say that Salzburg are actually the, the best supported team in terms of fan attendance this season in the Bundesliga too. Now, there, there are a lot of reasons for that. There are a lot of things that we can get into, but you can't take it away from them. They've actually got the biggest fan attendance in the Bundesliga this season. So, you know, how, how is it on a, on a supporter and a sort of a, a fan base front this season in the Champions League? Well, a rapid Vienna fan was very quick to react to that post about attendances and say that that's because Salzburg only have the 3G rule in place at the moment rather than the 2G, which means that you can still get into their stadium with a test, which which doesn't apply in every part of Austria at the moment. But I have to say it was it was pretty raucous. I think that the Champions League or the European games have gone up a notch over the past few seasons in terms of, of atmosphere. I've been to the Bronby qualifier and Simon and I were both at the Barcelona game and they felt slightly different. Uh, I felt a little bit more, I think, passion from the stands and, and the noise levels as well. I think it all helps to, yeah, to, to spur this Salzburg team on and perhaps it goes two ways. Perhaps Salzburg is spurred on by by the, you know, the improved support. So it's, it's working all around. Yeah, I mean, with these Bundesliga attendances, I think um, the, the whole 2G rule in Vienna, I, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but uh, it means that a lot of the, the ultras in the league aren't going to, to the matches. Although in, in Europe against Dinamo Zagreb, I think Rapid got 22,000 fans for, for that game. But in the league, the attendances are, are way lower. It's a shame because obviously we, we love going to Rapid and we love the amazing atmosphere of the ultras and also some of the other teams in the league like like Lask and Sturm Graz. They have these fantastic ultra sections. But um, the 2G rules in the rest of the country are, are causing these uh, ultra sections to be a little bit less. Uh, there's less capacity there. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, bit, a little bit different, isn't it? And before we move on from Salzburg, I want to just uh, I want to give a shout out to ourselves because we don't do this very often, and we always pull ourselves up for when we've made a prediction that wasn't a good one. Um, but I think on our last European pod, we were talking a lot about Nicolas Seibald, uh, long balls from Salzburg, and Karim Adeyemi, and then to see Salzburg get up against Wolfsburg, and about ten minutes in, I, I just sort of had a had a big grin and a bit of a bit of a self congratulatory pat on the back because Nicolas Seibald played a direct through ball which Karim Adeyemi got on the end of and scored. And then a few minutes later, Seivald played another absolutely brilliant long ball forward, which ended up with uh, Okafor hitting the bar. But, uh, you know, just the, the fact that we gave that as, a, as our prediction last week, you know, want things to watch in the Champions League. I was just, uh, I was happy for us. And I know that we, uh, we sort of jokingly criticise ourselves a lot when we've called something that doesn't happen. But uh, that one, we nailed it. Next up then, we've got Rapid Vienna. It was a massive home night for them as they took on Dinamo Zagreb in Group H of the UEFA Europa League. And uh, with no points in the bank at the start of the game, it was pretty much vital, a home game against, uh, against Zagreb. You know, this one had to be won really, didn't it? And they did manage to get the win. So uh, how big a kickstarter is that for their hopes in Group H? Absolutely massive. Um, it was the definition of, of a must-win game. And they did exactly that. Um, an early goal for, for, from Marco Gruhl and uh, a first-half header from Maxi Hoffman made sure of a 2-1 win. There was a fantastic equaliser by Mimislav Orsic uh, after 23 minutes, but yeah, Rapid held on. But <laughs> I'll talk about the performance later, but the, the final 10 minutes, 
was maybe the most elite shithousery I've ever seen from a football team. <laughs> the, the, the time wasting was just of another level. It, it was like watching prime Pep Guardiola Barcelona, but in time wasting. <laughs> and rapid, <laughs> and you could tell the Dinamo players were getting more and more annoyed. But yeah, Rapid, they, they needed those three points and they made sure that they got those three points via any means necessary. But it doesn't distract from a, a really good performance, um, particularly in a season when in the league they've uh, flattered to deceive, but they really pulled out an important victory uh, last Thursday night. Yeah, I, I'm interested to hear about the shithousery, really, because they were 2-1 up. As you said, they were quite dominant, I thought. They, they were well worthy of the 2-1 win in the end. And we know how risky that is for a team like Rapid uh, with a one-goal advantage, because just in the Bundesliga this weekend, they conceded after something like 97 and a half minutes. So, you know... You've got to be a bit careful when it comes to that because they, they could have made their dominance count a little bit more. The two goals that they did score, though, um, quite interesting. I thought Marco Gruel took the finish really nicely. Um, Hoffman's header, that's the kind of goal we see Rapid concede quite a lot, really, more than more than score. You know, sort of free kick whipped in towards the front post and Dinamo just uh, didn't go for the challenges enough in the box. The keeper came out a little bit half-heartedly. The defender didn't watch the ball properly and, and Hoffman was able to just nod it over everyone and through. But... Should they be sort of kicking themselves for more missed chances or will they just be able to look back and say, it doesn't matter, the result's all that counts. We're, we're back up and running in the group. I think if Rapid are going to kick themselves about anything, it's going to be that Genk game. Because, I mean, we'll talk about the group uh, in a little bit, but there's a lot of teams on three points in that group now. And that was a real missed opportunity. You would have probably not expected them to beat Dinamo Zagreb, a Dinamo Zagreb team that only last season dumped Tottenham out of the competition. And you know, is very, very strong and dominant in Croatia. So they've kind of surpassed their expectations here, but it's that Genk game, I think, that they may come to rue rather than anything that happened against Dinamo Zagreb. Yeah, the group standings now then, West Ham on nine, everybody else on three. So in a way, considering Rapid were pretty much looking dead and buried already, you know, I think our hopes were pretty low for Rapid before this game against Dinamo. Um, now suddenly, second place does seem within reach doesn't it but they've got some difficult tasks ahead of them as well as uh, as you mentioned you know just the quality of the opposition even beating Dinamo Zagreb at home does not mean we're going to beat Dinamo Zagreb away and especially because rapid fans will not be allowed to travel to that game in Croatia in a couple of weeks uh, that's due to some conduct some unsavory conduct at the London Stadium when they played West Ham on match day two so UEFA have uh, banned the fans from traveling that's not gone down well with rapid fans who feel that West Ham should have got exactly the same punishment. I think West Ham just got a fine. So uh, it's going to be a big task because they've got to do the same thing again, but this time away and without the support of their fans. So a real hard one. Yeah, a real shame as well, because for those who don't know, Zagreb is not really that far away. You know, it's only about five hours on the train, which might sound like quite a lot. But when you're in Central Europe, that's that, you know, that goes down as a very easy away day for, for an Austrian team. You know, just hop on the train, have a few beers, come to the game. I think... Rapid would have taken uh, a fairly significant number of fans to the game against Dinamo Zagreb in early November. But uh, yeah, not to be, unfortunately. What do you think then? Has that actually kick-started their hopes? Do you think that there's any chance of them actually going through after that? Because that's a really good win. You know, I know it was at home and, and it was 2-1 and yeah, they had to shithouse the last 10 minutes. But it was a good performance. And like you said, Dinamo Zagreb are, are no pushovers. Just because Rapid have beaten them now, you can't forget actually what a quality team they are. 
Yeah, looking on recent history, just look at the teams that Dinamo Zagreb have really, really given a, a top quality came to. So it was going to be a tough task going into the game. Um, obviously, they got the win. And you have to remember, uh, due to the brand new Conference League, that if Rapid finish third in the group, they will drop down into the Conference League, which means if you finish second or third, you're guaranteed a European football after Christmas. And, you know, the, the, the Europa League this season, is it's a more truncated Europa League. It's a higher quality Europa League. If I'm a Rapid Vienna fan, I'm obviously you want to go as far as possible in Europe. And if they finish second in the group here, incredible. But if you finish third, drop down the Conference League, you look at the quality of the opposition in the Conference League. And, you know, obviously we have one Austrian team in that competition, which are Lask, who currently unbelievably sit at the bottom of the Austrian Bundesliga, but look very like they're going to qualify with ease from their Conference League group. You'd think Rapid maybe finish, finish in third spot and try and go as far as you can in that. I mean, I mean who knows how far you could go? But I think, uh, yeah, the win was vital. They got the win. It alleviates some pressure on, on Didi Kubar as well. I think another European defeat here and Rapid would have had no hope, really, of any sort of qualification. So, yeah, a very, very important night. It was indeed. Um, we'll stick with the UEFA Europa League because Sturm Graz were in action up against Real Sociedad, uh, one of the more exciting ties in their very Champions League uh, of a few years ago-esque group. Um, Sociedad coming to town, nice atmosphere by the looks of things over in Graz. Um, they were defeated 1-0 though, another pretty close defeat, but uh, ultimately Sturm Graz with uh, no points after three games in Group B, looking very, very difficult for Christian Ilse's side. So you alluded to some uh, differences between Bundesliga form and European form um, for, for Rapid, for Lask, for everyone really. But for Sturm, it's the opposite because they're playing very well in the Bundesliga, but they can't really get going in Europe at the moment, can they? I think that's largely down to what you said there, Tom, the quality of the opposition, you know, Monaco, PSV, these are all good teams. And I think if you look back at these three games so far, Sturm Graz have largely played very well. They've they've only just been edged out in most of those games, really. And you look at where the goal came from in the game uh, against Sociedad, who, by the way, went into this as the La Liga leaders and still are. So a very good team. And this goal uh, in a 1-0 defeat came from a, a Jorg Siebenhandel error. So, you know, he's just allowed that shot to, to go through him, basically. And it's it's ultimately cost them. And, and as you say, they're now four points off of third place, even. Simon mentioned there that the, the third place team will drop down into the conference league. But even that looks like a real uphill battle now. And I feel quite sorry for them because I, I don't think they've played badly at all during this whole group stage. Yeah, I mean, we slated them a couple of seasons ago, Austria-Vienna as well. There were some pretty rancid performances from Austrian teams in European group stages and it's uh, and qualifiers too, to be fair. And it's easy to look at this group and think that that's happening for Sturm. I've seen some fans saying that, saying, you know, like, why are we always so bad in Europe? But it does feel a little bit different somehow this time, doesn't it? And what did you make of the, the incidents in that game? You know, there was a poten- potential handball that was checked from Jon Gerent Stankovic's shot. Um, defender just leaned his elbow out towards the ball and VAR had a look and, and said no. And also the foul on Gazi Begovic, you know, was, was that something that should have been brought back? Or can we only just look at the Seaden handle error in goal and say, you know, if you do that, you're, you're going to get beaten, whatever. Yeah, I mean, both those incidents, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, this is the, this is the thing with uh, VAR. You see these decisions that in the past you think might might have been given and now you think, ah, oh, they should have been given maybe. But I, I think 
you, you have to look at the Seaman Handel incident. Uh, Sturmgratz did, did enough for a draw. It's a shame because Seaman Handel has been such a quality player for Sturmgratz over the last few seasons and was also quality in this game as well. But um, I think you, you can't be looking at these incidents and think, ah, oh, Sturmgratz were really unlucky not to get these decisions. But, you know, um, they played very well. They learned from the massive defeat against PSV, that they shut up shop and they could have got a result. But, you know, Sociedad are a team who are just a far better and a far more progressed team. I said to a friend of mine a couple of days ago that I think this season maybe came one season too early for Sturmgratz to play against teams of these this sort of quality. Maybe next season they will have more European experience and maybe they'll give it a better go, but they are giving it a go. And um, they were unlucky, but well, what can you do? That's just European competition, you know? That's just football. It is indeed. Um, I'm having a bit of a nightmare over here, lads. I just spilled a big glass of water all over the uh, papers on my desk, but I'm going to soldier on regardless. Um, yeah, we don't like to shirk away from a challenge, but wouldn't it have been, you know, looking back now after the three games, wouldn't it have been nice to see this Sturmgratz side up against, I don't know, a more sort of average Europa League group? They, they did get surely the most difficult of the groups. And... I'd be excited to see what they can do. I agree with you about saying, you know, Rapid Vienna, uh, they'll be quite keen to drop down. Potentially, you know, if they'd fancy their chances a little bit of, of going further in the Conference League. But for Sturm, I think, you know, they've got a team for the Europa League this year, but just perhaps not this exact group. Or is that, can I not say that? Because, you know, this is still a representative Europa League group. And if they're not up for this, then they're not up to the Europa League. I mean, you look at the, uh, the Europa League this season and it, it is a pretty tough Europa League so some of the groups are almost Champions League-esque groups so I, I don't think you can blame the draw because whatever draw they could have got would have been quite difficult I just think it's too early too early in their progress as a team this is a team like we've we've had they were brilliant last season they've been brilliant this season but maybe just it needs a little bit more European experience and Maybe next season will be the one where they can actually properly give it a go. But they're playing against really, really tough teams. And you have to look at Sociedad, top of La Liga. They drew 2-2 against Atletico Madrid yesterday. And they really gave Atletico Madrid a, a run for their money as well. So you, you can't... Uh, it's, Sociedad are a better team. Uh, Sturmgratz will have another go next season for sure because they are so clear in second spot that they will almost certainly be in Champions League qualifiers unless something drastic happens next season. I think also since the introduction of the Conference League, that has had the impact of pushing up the quality in the Europa League because some of the teams that would have been in the Europa League last season have dropped down. And that does mean that you have a higher quality Europa League, which is great for for European competition. We all want them to be really, really good and high quality competitions. But at the same time, I think that that does make it a little bit harder for the Austrian teams outside of Salzburg to compete in this new look Europa League. From the new look Europa League to the actual brand new Europa Conference League, LASK, Austria's sole participants for now in the Conference League, until potentially some teams finish in third. Um, they went away to Armenia, outsiders Alashkert in the group in some senses, but I always felt like a trip away to Armenia wasn't going to be uh, a pushover or a walk in the park or whichever cliche you want to pick for a sort of banana skin European fixture. Uh, but LASK navigated it in the end quite comfortably, didn't they? 
from a results perspective, I think you could say rather comfortably. And in the second half, they were definitely the better team. I think the second goal completely killed off Alash Kertz, who, by the way, are also in a pretty similar domestic situation to Lask. I think both of these teams went into this game second bottom in the league. So Alash Kertz were not exactly on, on top form either. Um, but they did have some chances in the first half. The a Portuguese striker, Jose Mbalo, hit the woodwork twice. And there were some real moments there where you thought, well, Lasca are really skating on thin ice here. But they did come through it and they, they did get the result. I think there's a, a noticeable gap in quality between the top two and the bottom two in that group. And they, they look pretty good to go through now. Yeah, it's not looking bad at all, is it? The group standings, 7, 7, 3 and 0. Lask, one of the two teams on seven points. They've only conceded one goal so far. That was a late equaliser at home against Maccabi Tel Aviv. So uh, Tel Aviv and uh, Lask, surely the strong favourites to claim the top two positions in that group. Um, Lask, in terms of the challenges ahead, though, they've only played Maccabi at home, so they've got to go away there. Everybody else has to come over to Austria. It may be down in Klagenfurt, as we've talked about before. It's nowhere near Linz. It's nowhere near the home of Lask. But um, they'll be looking ahead with a bit of confidence, won't they, after that? And I think a few players probably did themselves some good in the game. It was nice to see the attacking midfielder, Hong, where with the opening goal, he burst forward really nicely. Any player, when you start the move with a good pass, run forward, get onto the end of it and score. That just feels good, doesn't it? That's the one, you know, you, you run away with your arms aloft and you feel pretty good about those. But um, what about Monshine? There was this absolutely bizarre penalty awarded for Lask at nil-nil, I think, where, where Monshine's back heel uh, just just didn't do anything like uh, a handball uh, for, for Alash Kett. But it, uh, it was a penalty and it was missed. Monshine probably not settling in as well as uh, people might have hoped that he would have done at Lask. Let's talk about the, the penalty itself first, because this was a backhill by Monshine and there's a defender on the ground. It's hit him on the head. And obviously we have this, well, what I think is a bizarre situation in the Conference League this season where there's no VAR, even though it is in the other two competitions. To me, that's, you know, you shouldn't be having that. You want your three competitions to be equal. In a way, it's almost like they're admitting this is less important to us, really. And I don't like that. But anyway... Yeah, the penalty the penalty is given because the linesman has decided that it's a penalty. The referee didn't initially give it, but but followed his advice. And uh, you do quite often see this, don't you, when something just really isn't deserved that the penalty ends up being missed. And and that's what happened for for Monshine. Having said that, he did score in his last Europa League game, so there is that. But I think just generally, aside from the Europa League, Lasca struggling for goals this season, and and maybe that factors into Monshine's difficulties a little bit. Yeah, that's probably right. So in the end, a 3-0 win away in Armenia has got to constitute a pretty good night for last. They've since slipped to bottom of the table in Austria, which is quite unbelievable, really, for a team who are sort of fancying themselves as Salzburg's biggest challengers going forward over the next uh, years and, and maybe decades to come or whatever. So bottom of the league, still really struggling, defeated on the weekend. Um the fact that uh, Goiginger was able to add a second, as you say, and kill off the tie in the second half. And then Peter Michel, a player who we haven't seen quite as much of this season as, as usual, usually very uh, dangerous with set pieces, dangerous with assists. He had a little bit of space to just lash a goal in from well outside the box. So that was a nice moment for him. But uh, they're not really able to carry it over at the moment. No, generally not. Um, but there were there were some positives to take from this game. Uh, and I'd like to talk about a couple of those. You mentioned Hong. 
I think that he is looking really good. It was a very nice finish for his goal. The ball sort of broke to him. He had a, a little bit of space and he, he slotted that perfectly in the corner. But he was breaking up a lot of the Alashka play as well in a sort of central midfield role. I really enjoyed watching him play. And I thought that Karamoko was really good as well. Obviously, he had that injury um, last season. He's come back this season and he's, he's looking a very good player. He's very fast. Uh, a couple of really pacey sprints down the right flank that set up good chances. And uh, yeah, he set up as well the, the second goal for Goiginger. So I thought he had a good game as well. There are positives there, but but obviously things aren't quite ticking along as you want them to be for Lask. Yeah, we're still missing Marco Raguz, of course. You talked about Karamoka coming back from the injury. Raguz, we just haven't seen much of since his serious injury in the Europa League last season either. So there's still uh, potential you know, growth in this Lask team, like within the team, you know, if people can get off the treatment table and back up to full fitness. So maybe some some reasons to be hopeful. But looking at the European week overall, three wins and one defeat, we've got to take that as a, a massive success, haven't we? I, I can't remember what we predicted or what we said would would be satisfying for, for match day three, but nine points out of 12, a big chunk for the UEFA coefficient as well. I mean, we've got to be very happy with that. We're very happy with that. The Austrian Bundesliga ranked fifth overall in Europe during the week. And um, I did a tweet last Friday. So in 2010, Austria ranked as the 19th best league in Europe. Five years ago, it was the 15th best league in Europe. Now we sit here eighth after a week where they were the fifth best performing league in Europe. And it's just, you look at these teams and you look at the Austrian Bundesliga table right now and you do, you do look at it with a little bit of a, you know, the title race is over and it's, it's not even November. But then you look at Europe and you see that these teams are really performing very well. Obviously, Sturm Graz haven't uh, got any points yet, but they, they, they are performing uh, and they're really battling in these games. But Lask, Rapid and Salzburg, all with a chance of qualification. Lask and Salzburg, you imagine, will certainly qualify. And yeah, it's just another another great week for Austrian football in Europe. And I, I think we can't take it for granted like how amazing this time period is the fact that Austrian the Austrian Bundesliga is the eighth best league in Europe and will almost without a shadow of a doubt despite the fact we're losing Salzburg semi-final run in 2018 Austria will continue to be eighth going into next season so yeah really just hats off to to our three victors in the week and um yeah it's, it's a great time to be covering the Austrian Bundesliga guys that's a really important upturn, isn't it? Because we looked at that Europa League semi-final year and it's always been in terms of the coefficient, uh, but just wait until that gets chopped off from Austria's five-year ranking because it's going to you know, it's gonna tank them. We're going to go well down outside the top 10. But the fact that the, the levels of performances from other teams as well have been solid enough that rather than one extraordinary run from Salzburg, you know, just solid performances from, from everybody coming, or almost everybody coming across the period of a few years has in, enabled Austria to, to push up and stay where they are. It's really impressive stuff. So let's look ahead to, to the next round of matches and uh, let, let's set our targets for that then. What do we want? Well, in a way, it's a little bit easier than usual because they're all playing against the same teams. Uh, it's this part of the European calendar where we get a double header. I think that Salzburg will not lose in Wolfsburg. Uh, I'm not sure whether they'll get a win, but I, I don't think they'll lose. Um, looking ahead to the other teams, Lask, I think they would quite comfortably beat uh, Alashkaut at home. Rapid away in Zagreb, pr predicting a defeat for that. 
and Sturm Graz going to, to Spain as well, also a defeat. So it might not be quite as good as last time, but I think there'll be some points in there as well. I'm going for an away draw for Salzburg, an away draw for Rapid, a home win for Lask, and unfortunately another defeat for Sturm Graz. However, I think it'll be a close game. <laughs> okay, so then we'll set sort of six points would be the target. Six points would be a good week for, for Austrian football on match day four. Anything above that, spectacular stuff. Anything below that, we can uh, perhaps be a little bit disappointed. But yeah, really looking forward to that. Tempted to to see if I can go to Zagreb and cover Rapid Vienna there. Um, that would be that would be cool. W- which ones are you eyeing up? Anyone on the on the plane to Sociedad? I wish. I wish. <laughs> yeah, not as it stands. Um, not as it stands. It's been a busy couple of weeks of football, and of course we're doing plenty for the Salzburg Regional League at the moment. So the calendar's a bit blocked up. But uh, yeah, I think if I could pick any of those games to go to, even though the the, the train that Salzburg are putting on for their fans to Wolfsburg does sound incredible and I hope it would definitely be reminiscent of the disco train that they had last season um <laughs> yeah uh, I, oh come on somebody's got to do that we've got to do that like get on the train just be fans like get rid of the journalism get rid of the reporting for a day just be fans of Salzburg and and get the beers in and just enjoy some Champions League football from the disco train come on yeah for, for me now I'm not getting on a train with the fans unless it's a disco train I've seen that it's clearly a highlight it's going to be the peak of the fan experience it's disco train or nothing for me, I'm afraid. I can't believe none of us went away to Armenia, to be honest, to watch Alashkert v. Lask. I, I'm questioning our commitment to European football at this stage. I'm questioning my, my commitment to European football because I haven't, I haven't been to a, to, to a group game yet. It's a disgrace because, you know, my, my actual job is quite busy as well. So it's really difficult to get the Thursdays off. Then next week, I'm, I'm off to, to Munich for the weekend. So to go from Zagreb to Munich might be a bit, a bit difficult, but... You know, um, I'm eyeing up the Rapid Vienna West Ham game for sure. And then hopefully uh, Graz v Monaco on the final match day. But it's, it's unfortunate that Lask are playing in Klagenfurt. It's so far away. It was so much easier when they were playing in Linz. But um, yeah, the Lask Alashka also uh, next uh, next Thursday. I would have done, but I'm, going, I'm off to Munich. I'm, I'm, I'm betraying my Austrian Bundesliga roots and watching the German Bundesliga. So... Apologies, fellas. <laughs> also, third division game as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Gucci against Victoria Cologne. That's that's a big one. <laughs> the sole reason is is because they're playing in Munich's Olympiastadion, which is a stadium that we all thought had uh, had had long seen its last football game, but instead, a third division team called Turk Gucci München will be playing there for, for the remainder of the season. And obviously, it's the place where England beat Germany five one. So I gotta go there and. Uh, enjoy some third division football a pilgrimage for simon um any <laughs> any austrian cup games this week that, that anyone wants to go to i'm gonna try and try and sell some of them to us now <laughs> i'm looking at Floridsdorfer v katfenberg on wednesday it's the only one in in the vienna area there's also uh, st Paulton v salzburg yeah i think i'm definitely gonna go to the Floridsdorfer katfenberg game only 10 euro tickets i might go there as a fan have a, have a few beers on the terrace. Amstetten against Rapid on Thursday. No Europa League this Thursday, so it's it's a it's a long away trip for for Rapid to Amstetten, a couple of hours down the road. Yeah, there's also Lask v VSK Tirol as well. Ooh, I mean, all Bundesliga clash. And of course, the great thing uh, we we have FSV Lafnitz versus Wolfsburger Atze, which kicks off at 11:30 tomorrow morning, Tuesday the 26th. You ask why? It's because it's the Austria National Day. So um, we we have. 
the the, the glory the gloriousness of an eleven thirty game on a Tuesday. <laughs> Talking about that, that that feels like a wonderful start time for me because yesterday morning I was commentating on a, a J two League second division Japanese match between Kyoto Sanga and Renofa Yamaguchi, and the kickoff for me was at seven o three a.m. So that was tough. That was tough. Eleven <laughs> thirty sounds great. That disturbs me more than it should that it's not kicking off at increments of five minutes. Why is that kicking off at 7.03? Uh, because they have a three-minute, uh, like the promotional, the, the ads and promotions and the J-League um, sort of graphics and format and all that stuff, that starts on the hour. So you get the the sort of the TV kickoff on the hour and then the match itself starts three minutes later. That's why that happens. I, it seems like you know quite a lot about Japan. Thank you for... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for it. If you, you'll see some of their international matches, they sometimes kick off at like the last one I did for commentary was a twelve fourteen kickoff, which is the most specific kickoff time I've ever seen. Well, so, as it's in Japan, you know for a fact go. that they will begin exactly at that time. <laughs> and if it's ten seconds late, everyone will get a refund. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, talking about fans wanting a refund, they'll probably want a refund from our podcast if we uh, if we don't wrap it up here. So um, at this point. I'll say thanks a lot for discussing European Match Day 3 with me and uh, and with us. And thanks for listening. And we'll be back for Match Day 4 pod. I'm sure we'll have some Bundesliga things to talk about in the near future as well, because it's getting incredibly tasty. You've got uh, two teams doing well at the top and everybody else with uh, a very random collection of points all battling you know, you can, you can, I think you can pretty much be bottom of the league and then like move up into the top six with one win. So it's, it's absolutely crazy at the moment. And I'm looking forward to gathering to talk about that sometime soon. But for now, I guess it's time to wrap this one up and say goodbye. See you later. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. That's extremely helpful to us. We also have a Patreon page if you wish to chip in a few euro each month to help us out. That's over at patreon.com forward slash other Bundesliga. Special thanks go to Gabriel Geber at Torn Geber Studios for this lovely music and also to the gentleman creatives for their other Bundesliga logo artwork.